we began a series entitled Heaven, a place where mystery and majesty collide. Now, I think if I can start off a question this morning, I think I'll probably get 100% yes to these questions, all right? So how many are with me today? Are you, are you still with me? Yeah? All right, so I want you to shout out. I think that I've got this kind of nailed down. So let me, let me just hear your response, right, to these two questions this morning, right? So how many of you would say yes if you like ice cream? All right, I, I don't know if that was 100%, but I think it was probably pretty solid. Second question, how many of you want to go to heaven? Yeah, so the, I usually get 100%, right, on that question. Whether you're really in church a lot or not, I think that in our culture we have this idea, this growing up, this idea that we want to go to heaven someday. You know, I've told our church over the last couple of weeks that Debbie and I had a chance to go up to Maine a few weeks ago, and although we lived in New England for a couple of years, we never made it to Maine, and just to hear about kind of those rocky coastlines and, and the ocean and the water and everything that we got to enjoy for a couple of days, you know, pictures really did not do it justice. It was absolutely gorgeous. But one of the struggles about going to Maine in the fall is that you're not really sure how to pack or how to prepare, right? It could be sunny and 80, or it could be 30 and raining. We didn't know what we were going to get into because we had never been there before. And I think that sometimes that's a picture or a snapshot of heaven, that we all want to go to heaven for sure, but the fact is, is that we've never been there. And so how do you pack and how do you prepare? Debbie and I often vacation at some of the same places year after year. And I know for a lot of you that are really adventurous travelers, that could sound pretty boring. But there is something unique about going back to the same place over and over again, is that as you are getting ready, it fills your heart with expectation. You know what's... Me and I go back to some of the same places, we go back with an expectation that... We know where everything's at, that we know where things are at that we need. In fact, from the one location, we can actually walk to the Cheesecake Factory. Somebody say amen for that today too, right? Like, so as we are preparing, we see ourselves already there. How many know what I'm talking about? But that's the mystery of heaven. We all want to go to heaven, but we don't really know truly what's there. We don't really know what we are going to to experience when we're there. If we're honest, we know very little about heaven. It is a place where mystery and majesty collide. Now, what I'm going to do next week for you is that I'm going to answer a lot of questions that you have about heaven. We've mentioned them kind of briefly over the last couple of weeks. People want to know, am I going to know people that I have as earthly friends? Am I going to know them in heaven? Uh, am I going to be married in heaven like, like I am here? Is, are my pets, are, are they going to go to heaven? And like we said on week number one, well, your dog's definitely going to heaven. Your cat is not. So, right? <laughs> that, that's a freebie, okay? We won't have to deal with that next week. So, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, not real. No, I can't. So here's what we have. So we're going to put a, a number up here, right? So even if you want to get your phone out and maybe take a quick text shot of that, or maybe you can remember, we'll put it out on our Facebook page this week. So anytime this week, if you have a question about heaven, just text it to that number, okay? 
And then next week, as part of the service, I'm, we're going to do a little Q&A. So I'll share for a while, but I'll try to get through as many of your questions about heaven um, as I possibly can. And again, I think if you and I really think about it, we probably do have a lot of questions about heaven. I think the big challenge is, is that, that we all want to go to heaven, but a lot of people aren't really sure on how to get there. Or what I found is a lot of people have been given the wrong directions on how to get to heaven. I don't know, if, like me sometimes, we struggle if we travel, if we're driving. How many of you use your GPS? Maybe your Google Maps or Waze is kind of a, a big kind of app that a lot of us use when we travel. And I know for me that when there's maybe an accident or there's kind of a big slowdown, if I am kind of far from where I know I'm at if I'm traveling in other states and that sometimes ways will come up and it wants to reroute me, right, to get me to my final destination. And I don't know about you, but I always have like a little thing in my life. It's like I want to trust in her, but I'm not really sure. How many say yes, right? Like it wants to get me off of the highway and start showing me back routes and I have this moment. It's a very stressful moment. How many would agree with me, right? Like because we want to be sure that we are always going in the right direction, but that we are getting the most accurate information about our destination as well. And as much as it can be unsettling for you and I on the highway, think about it in our eternal picture as well. I mean, are you really convinced? I think it was 100% today that we all wanted to go to heaven, but there is a road map. But I have to feel that in everything that I've heard in my lifetime, that unfortunately there are people that get the wrong direction. That people aren't writing the most accurate information about how to get to heaven. So today, I wanna take just a couple of minutes, and for everyone here today, I wanna help you to prepare and pack for heaven. And I wanna do it with really accurate directions. Is that okay? So we read in Mark chapter 10 a couple of moments ago that people were bringing their little children to Jesus and he placed their hands on them. But the disciples rebuked the families. They, they wanted to keep their kids away from Jesus. And when Jesus saw this, the Bible says that he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Hinder them not, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. For truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the kids in his arms and he blessed them. You see, I think there are two big qualities that we find that help us in our journey about how to prepare and how to pack for heaven. They are faith and trust. I think if there's any quality that is innate within our little ones that when they come to us is that they are filled with faith and trust. Many times it has to be nurtured, but we recognize, like you saw some of these little ones today, when, they, when I reached out my arms to them, right, they're like, dude, I don't know you, I don't trust you, right? Like, I'm sticking with mom and dad. They realize that there is some sense of comfortability of someone who cares for them, someone who nurtures them, someone who has been with them. And the more faith and trust that we have in Jesus in this relationship, it's the same for you and I. You know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of religious ideas that are out there vying for our attention. So how do we know that we are on the right path? 
How do we know truly that we are going to heaven? Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, yet all who did receive him, everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus, they first of all believed in his name, and with that are given the right to become a child of God. So if you are trying to prepare or pack for heaven today, what the Bible says is that first of all, we have to believe in Jesus. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, in him alone, then the Bible says that we have the right to become a child of God. You see, you have to believe the right thing, and that's what I want to help you this morning. You can't just believe anything. You can't just believe your own path. You can't just make it up on your own. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus said of himself, there might be a lot of ways that you think, but I am the only door to heaven. And so if we're going to believe the right thing, then let's believe that what it is that God said, what the Bible tells us. So today I want to give you just four quick things, a little direction, a little roadmap to help us to know that keeps us on the road to heaven. So here's what I want you to do just to make sure. So we're going to make it so simple that even a child could understand today. Be pretty appropriate on Baby Dedication Sunday, right? So at the end of each point, I'm going to say, get it? You're going to say, got it. So that's, that's, that way I know. You ready? So I say, get it? You say, all right. So that way we know, all right? So of the four things you need, here's what the Bible says about God. So he's the primary figure. How many know that when you go to heaven, who's going to be there? If you're not sure, anybody else, but who's going to be there? Well, God's going to be there, right? Like that's his house. So God is going to be there. Here's what we know. The Bible says that God is loving. And I think that most of us have that understanding. In fact, that's the way I think most people think about God. Maybe one of two ways. You either think like, like he doesn't care or that he's maybe like a grandfather, right? Like a grandfather who's going let, to let our kids get away like with anything. Some of these new granddads, Larry Bush, are you still back there? Like from what I hear, this new, grand, this new granddad is letting this little one get everything, get everything, like already. Am I right? Right? Even before she was born, he was buying stuff, waiting for this baby to come, right? And a lot of us think that, that God is just like our granddad and that we can kind of get away with stuff. We can, you know, we might not be right all the time, but, but he's love. And so eventually, he's just going to kind of pat us on the head and, and we're going to go to heaven. That's what a lot of people think. But there's more to God than he's just love. We also realize that God is holy. And so in God being like extremely holy, anything that is impure stands out. And so we know that wrong, sin, bad stuff cannot stand, cannot exist in God's presence. It's his holiness that exposes and rejects anything that falls short. Well, there's more to God, and that is that he's just. And that means that God is a good and a perfect judge. And so his justice, his holiness, exposes anything that's wrong. But listen, church, it's his justice that has to deal with it. You see, if somebody hurt your family and you had to go to court, how many would have a thought or an idea that the judge is going to be fair and just? We, we kind of go in with that, right? But if the judge, like, sided, like, wrongly or kind of had a side deal at work with with whoever hurt your family, we would be outraged, right? We would say that justice has not been served. 
And so what we have to understand about God in the story is not only is he love, and not only is he holy, but when we do wrong against God, it's his justice. We want a good and perfect judge. We want that in all of our life. But sometimes we struggle with that in our eternal life. But the truth is, is that God has to deal with unrighteousness. So that's the picture of God in the story. Get it? Good. The second thing we have to understand then is us. Like us collectively as, as humans. We realize that we were created good. The Bible talks about that from the very beginning. But we chose to be disobedient. Anybody of you have kids that have chosen to be dis- disobedient? And if you parents at one point have chosen, right? Like we all kind of get that part in our life. You see, God told Adam and Eve in the garden, listen, I'm giving you everything. There's just one tree I want you to stay away from. But guess what? They couldn't stay away from it. It was their disobedience that drew them that brought God's wrath against them. Romans 3 says that we understand that as universal sin, that that through the sin of Adam and Eve, that that gets passed down to every one of us, that we're all in. And the penalty of that, the Bible says, is to be eternally separated from God. So the truth is, we all want to go to heaven, but if we have sin in our life, the Bible says God's holiness keeps us out. You've got to remember God's holiness and God's justice. In fact, Romans chapter 6 says that the wages, the payment of sin, is death is eternal separation, that, that we owe God such a debt that requires payment, but, but we can't pay it. It's, it's beyond our control, so it leaves us spiritually helpless. Here's a, a big verse in Isaiah, one of the Old Testament prophets. He says, all of us have become like the one who is unclean. He was referring to people in the Old Testament that had leprosy. They were always ostracized from, from people. They always had to stay away and, and always live separate. And, and the prophet helps us to understand that all of our righteousness, all of our goodness that we try to earn before God, the Bible says, is really meaningless. See, a lot of people get the wrong instructions on how to get to heaven by just a matter of, well, you just got to do good, right? In fact, you know, as long as I'm doing good, like, like how can God refuse me? But the trouble with that is, is that we really never know how much we have done. Uh, Have I been good enough? But you see what the Bible says with Jesus being the only way and Jesus on our behalf is that Jesus has already done the work for us. Can somebody say amen to that? I don't have to keep doing. I just have to remember John chapter one. If I believe in Jesus, I get the right to become a child of God. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything that God did for me through Jesus Christ. And so I realize that I am spiritually helpless to find my way to heaven by myself. That's us as humanity. Get it? Good. So we're down to two, just two more. Now it sounds pretty bleak to this moment, right? You're like, wow, pastor, you're talking about holiness. You're talking about justice. You're talking about being spiritually helpless. This is like, this is kind of a downer, right? But this is where it gets good. You see, because when we get to the end and recognize that it can't be based on anything that we can do, the good news is is that God did for us what we can't do for ourselves, and so enter Christ into the story. You see, heaven and our salvation walk is everything about Jesus. 
Jesus was fully God, but became fully man. He came to us like a a baby. You know the story, right, of Christmas. But, But at the same time, he was fully God. You see, the reason that that works is so that he could fully embody the Godhead in himself, but he could fully identify with you and I as well. Who were the first two components of our story? God and us, right, as humanity. And when God came to us, Jesus, the same was very true. He was fully God, but he was just like us. He was fully human as well. And when Jesus came, most of you know the story. Bailey said it earlier, some of the big services that we have, right? Christmas and Easter. It talks about his birth, but it also talks about him coming to die for us, for our sin. We talked about earlier that the penalty of sin was death. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross. First Peter chapter 2 says this, that it was Jesus himself who bore our sins on his body on the tree. You see, the truth of how you go to heaven is that it was done for us through Jesus Christ. That our sin was put on his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And so by his wounds, we are saved. Can somebody say amen today? So by the work of the cross and by us believing and accepting what Christ did for us is the truth that we get. You know, this is really the central truth of the gospel. The debt of death that we owe was paid by Jesus fully in your place and in my place. And then he offers it to you and I. It was the greatest gift ever given. That we will be given righteousness, forgiveness, and life in exchange for sin, guilt, and for a death sentence. Listen, I think that's the greatest deal that you and I will ever be offered. You mean all this junk and all this garbage in my life, I get to take and give it to Christ and he washes it clean and then he calls me one of his own. Yeah, what a great deal. Crucified to the cross. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we become a brand new person. Man, there are times in our life I'm sure we would love a do-over, right? But that's how you get to heaven. God says, I'll give you an amazing do-over. I'll take your sin. I'll take what's wrong. That's going to get nailed to the cross. And by accepting Jesus and what he has done for you, you get it all. You get eternal life. You know, I've had people over the years ask me, Pastor Jim, why, why was there any price that had to be paid at all? Why can't God just forgive and forget like we can? How many know none of us can really forgive and forget? Right? We might be able to forgive, but boy, if we've been harmed in a big way, I think it's almost impossible, right, for us to forget that. But why, why even talk about this? Why, why help us to understand the pathway to heaven? Why did God make it this way? Well, let me just kind of give you a, a, a quick little story. Maybe you bought a brand new car, and you brought it home from the dealership. I mean, you're just kind of driving it with pride. How many know you drive your brand new car day one differently than you drive it like six years later, right? Like, I mean, you are, you are total like driving defense, right, on day one. Like nobody, like you, st- how many, you actually stop at stop signs now on day one right, with, with your brand new car. You don't want anybody, like you wanted to be clear, I stopped, I was here, right? But how many know you bring that car and you park it in the driveway and like your crazy neighbor next door, right, that, that junk beater car and it's always giving him trouble and whatever, his car like gets popped out of gear and 
rolls down his driveway and crashes right into your brand new car. Day one. You see, the fact is, is that you might be able to forgive him. You may be able to forget that it even happened. But what is still wrong with your car? Yeah, it's still damaged, isn't it? You see, you say, well, why couldn't God just forgive and forget? Well, the fact of what sin does for us is that sin damages us. And because we're spiritually helpless, we can't fix ourselves. And so that's why it was necessary for Jesus to come for you and for me, to help fix us. Listen, the church can't fix you. I can't fix you. But I want you to know that God loved you so much that he gave his only son to fix you. No matter what you've experienced, no matter what's gone wrong, universally, Jesus came to fix every one of us. But even beyond that, he's our light in the darkness. Right? He, he takes ashes and gives beauty. He takes struggle and loss and provides hope and healing for our life. It's the power that God did to show you how much he loves us. See, and then Christ offers all of this to us as a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2 says, it's by grace that we are saved, which simply means, means that we get what we don't deserve, and it's through faith. We heard that a couple of times, right? Just like a little kid, it's faith and trust. So God does for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and he offers it to us as a free gift. So we recognize that it's by nothing that we've done, by simply remembering everything that God has done for us. And so we've talked about God We've talked about us as humanity. We talked about the solution that it was Christ that came to save us. And it's only his way. It's only through him that we get to go to heaven. Did you get that? Good. Last one. So what does that mean to you and I? Maybe Adriel, if you're with me, or the band, we're going to start to wrap up. So here's what I want you to hear as we close this morning. You see, individually, each one of us decides the outcome of the story. So you might be here today and you say, Pastor, okay, I get it. God, I get it, that he's love, that he's holy, that he's just. I recognize what Christ did, that, that we were helpless and, and that we would have been lost in our sin, but Christ came and changed all of that for us. And you might say, hey, that's... That's a great story. Those are great directions. But let me tell you, you can't just know where you're going. You have to get there. You see, when Debbie and I choose to go to Florida, we realize we can't just say we're going to Florida. We have to get on the road and we have to go. We have to make a decision. And the directions that I choose... I have to believe that those are the right way for my family to get to Florida. And in the same way, each and every one of us, listen, listening to that challenge on that ways, right, telling me, well, hey, now I think I need to reroute you. As stressful as that is on my trip to Florida, can I tell you it pales in comparison with yours and my eternal destination. How tragic for us to go on a journey somewhere only to realize that we are at the wrong destination. Now, I've heard stories, it's, it's somewhat, I think, today almost impossible, right? But I'm sure it could happen. How many have heard stories where people have gotten on the wrong plane? 
right? They thought they were going, they thought they were going to Chicago, but they weren't paying attention. They ended up at the wrong gate, and somehow they got on the wrong plane, and they ended up in Dallas. How unfortunate to have all of your bags packed, to be ready for your destination, and all that's going to happen, maybe the family and friends, only to realize that, that you took the wrong flights, and you ended up in the wrong destination. You see, some of you understand what I'm saying today, but I want you to know before we go, you can't just get to heaven on your own. You think, well, hey, Pastor Jim, like, I appreciate this, but, but I got my own plan. Unfortunately, according to the Bible, the Bible says there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus. And I guess my hope and my prayer for you today is that because we all said a few moments ago that we all wanted it to get to heaven, I want to make sure that you show up at the destination that you are trying to get to. I hope that you are paying attention. I hope that your boarding pass has been stamped through Jesus and what the Bible says is the only way to heaven. So that when the plane lands, that you and I together will enjoy heaven. You see, we all want to go there, but we recognize there's not a lot that we know exactly of what heaven is going to be about. But hear me today, friends, as I close. We might not know all that heaven is going to be, and I know you're going to have a lot of questions. But there's something that we know. There is only one way to get to heaven. That we know. And my prayer for you today, you, your family, your little ones today, is that if you've heard these words, that you have to decide. Your story only ends on you making a decision about following the right set of directions. Get it? Good. I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you and for your family today. Maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, I've never really understood like how to get to heaven. Or some of you have maybe been given the wrong set of directions. I thought that if I just went to church, like I said earlier today, I thought that if I just became confirmed or baptized or had my baby dedicated, that that's how you go to heaven. No, it doesn't. It shows us but it doesn't do it. The only way we get to heaven, John chapter 1 says, is that we have to believe in Jesus. We have to accept what he did for us when we couldn't do it for ourselves. He offers it as a free gift. We all get birthdays. And I know that the older that we get, we don't necessarily make a big deal out of them. We may not get all of the gifts and the toys like we It doesn't become ours until what? Yeah, until we take it. So God did all of this and he offers Christ this wonderful free gift. But your story is only completed when you take the gift. And I hope today that you will be reminded from the innocence of these little ones that God does have a plan. God has direction for every one of us. But most importantly, God has a heavenly home for all of us. But it's up to you and I to choose. 
the end of our story? Do we receive the gift? Are we on the right path that one day truly, truly leads us to heaven? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for these that have gathered together. Lord, that we recognize from this very moment of these little ones, for some of us that are much older and the journey of life has taken a toll. And sometimes we struggle and we are lost along the way. I thank you that the word of God gives us the light of the gospel to help us to always keep heaven in front of us. We know that maybe hurts or loss or death or struggles or pains would want to eliminate us or want to keep us, but each one of us have the pen in our hand to realize where the story is leading us, but we, we have to finish the story. We have to accept what God did for us in Christ. And I pray that everyone that heard hopefully the simple message today, so huge, so powerful, but yet so simple, that to those of us that believe in Jesus, ask him to come into our life, to save us, that we become and are given the right to become a child of God. So God, as we bless these little ones today, God, I pray the adults in this room as well, with the hope, with the truth, and with the knowledge of heaven today. So God, let every one of us write accurately and truthfully our story of putting our trust and putting our faith in Jesus and in him alone. So God, I pray this over every life in Jesus' name.